1: Saturday morning and here come the girls Ray and Faye with Let's Talk Gardening
0: And greetings gardening friends on this very brisk radiothon morning. Today's gardening program is sponsored by Safety Bay Settlements, settling and transferring properties across WA since 1977. Now please show your support this morning listeners by donating to Let's Talk Gardening if you can and obviously to Curtain Radio, you can call through right now on nine two double six three nine double zero and you can donate online. Curtinfm.com dot au. We've got some nice little prizes to give away uh, as our thank you to you to donate in the gardening program. Bev Derring is on the lines and John Glidden is also standing by. And of course, you know our line if you'd like to have a chat with us on air today, 94841927. You can email us by going to gardening at curtainfm.com.au. Big shout out to the dynamic duo, Chris Bartlett and Mark Colton, not forgetting Jim Kreinen, and Jim will be back at 10 a.m. Good morning, Fayakara, and it's nice to see you after your sojourn. Thank you, Ray. Tell I us all to... about it. Oh, well. Wow. We did our best
2: to stimulate the economy over there. At that just Gatter. seems so
0: like not you. I know, what I know. Went on? But by on? I was impressed.
2: After a few days, you see, well, for people who don't know, Eddie and I headed over to Cooley Rocks, which is a rock and roll festival that goes on for about four days. There are dancers that come from all over Australia, mm-hmm. other than Melbourne this year or Victoria, unfortunately. Yeah. And they there's many dance clubs around. And they get quite dressed up, so there's lots of matching outfits. There's lots of line dancers. There is music in the streets at different venues. There's outdoor dance floors. It's like a
0: big party.
2: It it is, and it's it goes for party. four days. There are markets, so they sell retro gear and outfits. Is that and what shoes. you
3: bought?
2: Well, I it was Eddie's birthday, you see, so I bought him a, a nice little shirt. It's got some roses and <laughs> and skulls. Uh, trimming the shoulders and with a view to getting a matching dress but don't tell him that. And uh, then I got a new dress with beautiful roses on it. It's too cold otherwise I would have worn it today, right? Mm. And a beautiful skirt with roses and shoes and
3: the full bit. So it
2: it kind of wears on you after a few days. You get used to seeing all these magnificent outfits. Yeah, I love all that. And Laura, our daughter, said she wanted a video of us dancing because... Her partner, Zach, didn't know, you know, what we did. So um, we took one video and I thought, oh, that doesn't look very good, you know. So that night we we dressed up and we got a friend, John, who I hadn't seen for 36 years and recognized him on the dance floor. And he videoed us. So (laughs) I was able to share that on Facebook and it received lots of compliments from from friends, oh, so wonderful, nice, yeah, nice. rock and roll, great music, great entertainment, and for a, a lot of the the performers, they hadn't been out a lot in the last year and a I can half.
0: Imagine, yeah, so everyone cut loose, right? Oh, yeah. it was so well attended. Mm. They
2: also had car shows, or the streets were blocked off, and people were walking down the streets, down the pathways. Through the malls in the shopping centre, there was a pancake diner there. So the atmosphere would have lessons. been off
0: the off the radar.
2: Oh, it was mm. it's so nice, mm. you know. Dancers just talk to each other and and forget
0: about all the issues, right? Yeah, just forget about all the issues
2: it's, in the world and the weather. <laughs> they had a
0: polar event
2: where mm. the the cold came up from Tasmania, Ray, and mm. then I come home, the verges frozen two days in a row. Mm. It's freezing.
0: Yeah, it it is a little nippy particularly in Jandicott.
2: <laughs> I know. Yes, we've started the fire. Yeah. So all hopefully right. we'll we get can keep that burning.
0: All right. Now, it's a special morning, Radiothon morning. We'll get to that straight away, but we'll go to Henley Brook and have a chat with Peter. Good morning. Morning, Peter.
4: Good morning to you, to all of you. All. Morning. I've got a pomegranate tree and they bear lots of fruits, you know, but now the fruits have become smaller and they are cracking up. Before they can become ripe, or when they have become ripe, why does this happen?
2: Well, it is one of the the signals that tells you that the fruit is the fruit is ripe. It actually cracks, and so it's ready for picking and eating. Um, now, the pomegranate is is one of the the pom fruit, so. We will actually be joined in the studio this morning at about 8.40 by Chris Oliver, who is an absolute guru on fruit trees and pruning and all things horticultural. So we might bring this up with him, Peter.
1: Okay, okay, okay. Thank you
4: very much.
0: You're welcome. Okay.
4: I shall listen to him at about 8.40.
0: Yes, yes.
4: Thanks a lot. Bye.
0: Thanks, Peter. OK, and getting back to Radiothon, what we have up for grabs in the next two hours is two double invitations to join Faye and I and the gardening team for lunch at the Grosvenor Hotel on a date yet to be decided in July. If you'd like to come along and uh, and uh, join us, that would be lovely. There'll be other presenters there as well. So anyone that donates in the next couple of hours will go into the draw. Uh, to win one of those invitations and compliments of Kerry at Bigger Trees. We also have four $75 vouchers up for grabs. We'll divide them two for this hour and two for the following hour. If you'd like to win one of those, simply donate between now and 10am and, and you'll go into the draw to win a $75 voucher from the fabulous Bigger Trees and we're very grateful to Kerry for donating them to us in our program today. So show your support for Let's Talk Gardening, we're very competitive and <laughs> well, and the telly at the moment stands at $69,855 so we've got to get into, the, get into those 70s, Faye. Oh, well, we sure do. And uh, we want to thank Tony Smith from Riverton and Megan Phillips from Jundana and Jill Stabler from Mullaloo. They donated overnight. Oh, wow. And we'll have some more names to read out as the morning progresses. And as Faye was mentioning, we do have our special guest joining us in the studio this morning, Chris Oliver all-round tree expert and uh, last time we had him in he was just one of those people where you want to sit back let him take over the reins because there's just so much knowledge oozing out of that man there's nothing that he doesn't know clearly Uh, it's a little bit like how we had Dan the bee man on recently and we all just sat back and and you just want to listen there's nothing anyone needs to say just give them the microphone and let them go they're that good, passionate Um, and experienced yes yeah absolutely and how's about that variegated plant in New Zealand uh, that sold for $25,000 this week. I know. It was a I would have it very... in my bed. I would kick my other <laughs> half out. The plant sleeps next to me, not you. Ooh. Yeah.
2: Oh, that's that's fighting words, right? Well,
0: absolutely. But I'd be yes, terrified it would die. It's a very rare
2: white variegated Raphidophora tetrasperma variegata.
0: So and explain that in, in well, English terms, layman you,
2: terms. You can actually get these in the green variety. They're one of the, the philodendron family. They're a climber. They look quite like the variegated monstera, but the, the the leaves are it, more elongated rather than round. Yeah,
0: I had a good read of it as mm. well yesterday.
2: I have not seen one. You've never seen in one? real life that I know of. Um, well, now we really want to. <laughs> <laughs> I do have a photo here, Ray. Uh, but yeah. a heated bidding war in the auction's final minutes raised the level of the bids to a Australian... Like, Mm. who
0: who would want that? Who would want to spend that sort of money? Well, someone who obviously is going to make money out of that plant. Or a collector. It's no... You know, collectors doesn't worry them if it's their hobby.
2: So the plant had eight leaves with the ninth just about to unfurl. Yeah. Each leaf has excellent variegation, as does the stem, and is well rooted in a 14 centimetre pot. 14 centimetres. That's, That's all. only like tiny. six inches, right?
0: Tiny, tiny. I know.
2: Far out. The world's I mean, I mad. suppose from a dollar point of view, if you've got that, you could divide it and... <laughs> All have a leaf each. (laughs) Well, I mean, look at at what I did for you, giving you a cutting of that variegated monstera. What's that? Over a year ago now?
0: Oh, yes. It will be
2: nearly two years. And I gave another one to my sister's friend Mm. who then grew it very well, propagated it and shared it. And that's just wonderful because... We're sharing the love.
0: I haven't shared mine yet. <laughs> I may not. I don't think you will, but that's that's okay. <laughs> I know what your plants has been to you. Yes. No, I absolutely adore that plant. It's my pride and joy. And let's get on with things. 94841927. I know we've got some emails to do. And what yes, would you like to not, do? Well, I was just going to say, um,
2: the the phone lines for donations are not the, the ones for calling in with questions. It's nine two double six three nine double zero. And with two vouchers off on offer off on offer, uh, in the first hour. Yes. And the phone line's being quiet because it's a cold morning and lots of people staying
0: in bed. Most I reckon, people have a phone by their bed. Just do it. <laughs> well, <Yeah>. I reckon <laughs> this is the best chance to get
2: your donations in to be in the running for the vouchers and lunch yeah. with us at the Grosvenor Hotel. Yes. And, um, yes, when people call in... I, I was listening to last weekend's show and thanks so much to Dr. Darrell Hardy and Mark Tuchek for filling in for me. I know they did a fantastic job and as did
0: you, Ray. Yes, the boys are great value and they work so well together and I think listeners just enjoyed listening to their, their knowledge. Mm, that's that's great. good. And
2: it's nice to give other people a turn, I think. Yeah. So that's my defence. Yep, radio. <laughs> um. So... I can't remember where I was going with that. I, I know don't know practice, love yet. <laughs> but yes, get get them in early. What I was going to say is maybe when people call in if they could just maybe keep it to one question because I know you've got deadlines to hit mm-hmm. and it's hard for you to to make those spots if the questions go on and on and plus you know, there's other people waiting on the phone lines. Mm-hmm. So it is fair if people just can mm. stick to their one question. Mm. And keep, if it, they keep, don't mind. keep it keep it
0: moving. Keep it moving along. Okay, and we do have some uh, questions coming through. But getting back to the beautiful Bigger Trees Nursery, it gives me the opportunity to talk about this nursery, which I've visited many times up in Pickering Brook. It's, it's, a, it's a huge nursery. It's absolutely immaculate. And it's just one of these nurseries where you can browse around in comfort, easy to get around, and... Everything is very easy. You know, sometimes you go to nurseries and you, you, things are jumbled together and so forth. Everything is just displayed in such a beautiful way. She has everything that you could think of there. Now, she is a frangiprani Tree specials, but of course, Frangipanies are going into their quiet time now. She's got a lot of bare-rooted stock uh, available. She was telling me during the week that she's got um, a great supply of citrus trees available at the moment, and of course, you know the bare-rooted stock—they're deciduous and ornamental, and a general range of fruit trees. She's got native trees, she's got general shrubs, she's got indoor plants, succulents, proteas—you name it. She's got it and a fabulous array of. Gorgeous pots, and you know what I love best about bigger trees is her prices are very fair, very fair. Sometimes, you know, you know, you go somewhere and you feel like you're getting a little bit gouged. Shouldn't say that, but sometimes you feel that way. Never feel that up there. Yeah, no, she's very Well, I've beautiful. seen photos,
2: and it does look very inviting, I must say. And the the cold weather that we're having right at the moment, really for the trees that have still got their leaves Looking on amazing, them... Looking amazing, right? They're, Red.
0: They're just... Red. Brightening
2: yes. before they drop, yes. and you and I are matching in our autumn colours today. Even though it's
0: winter, we've both turned up in a a burnt orange. Would you say? I, I would, but even though mm. the calendar says winter, I still think it's a bit of autumn. After. Oh gosh, you're not living in Jandicott. <laughs> it's, it's winter at Jandicott. It, oh. I'm loving this cold. I love to get out and my nostrils I feel that crispy air and Uh. I'm in heaven. I I was born into the wrong country, there's no doubt about that. You should be living in (laughs) Jandcock. Wouldn't worry me, see, I just love it. You could grow tulips. You yeah, I (laughs) I know you've got the right chill factor there. Grow a lot of things. All right, we're heading to Menorah saying good day to Diana. Good morning.
2: Good morning. Hi Diana. How can we help today?
5: Um, I've just moved into a villa in Mount Lawley and I haven't got a big garden space and I was wondering, could I grow some sort of an an ornamental tree that has blossom in the spring?
2: Oh, absolutely. And there are such a a large variety. One of my favourites and one we talked about recently is the Prunus seracifera nigra and it's a burgundy-leafed flowering plum tree. So, is that one with the pink blossom, yes, ah, yes, that's the one I yeah. wanted. What, what do you call it? Sorry, it's Prunus? uh, you can call it an ornamental flowering plum. Oh, or thank you. Prunus yeah.
0: seracifera. If you just use the word nigra, I think then that really short circuits yeah. everything. Nigra is N I G R A,
2: and there's another yeah. one that's equally as beautiful, and I think maybe the blooms are even more beautiful, and that's the bliriana. But if if you have a look at any of the nurseries um, at this time, there there probably isn't too many leaves on them, but they'll have photos on the label. And the wonderful thing about these deciduous trees is their leaves can change colour. And then when they're bare, they let all the light in to the ground underneath, perfect for growing bulbs because that leaf litter makes wonderful mulch and it breaks down quickly and then you've got the next season to look forward to. And I did account it's only 73 days till spring. Hallelujah.
0: <laughs> who does that? Who, I, who does that? Well, Seriously. I think I am.
2: I'm Eight going to, to mark them off
0: the calendar. <laughs> now,
5: out of those three that you told me, which would you say is the most, uh, the prettiest one?
2: Oh, look, I might put this out to our listening audience, Diana, because there will be someone out there that really Mm. specialises in that. I've only got the one in my garden, but a friend has got the Bliriana. And, you know, it it depends what you like. I think it's a a bit of a personal choice. But if anyone can compare the two, ring in and let us know. Okay. Now, the other
5: question was, the garden space that I've got is only about uh, about a foot wide. Oh. So, yeah, very small. Now, I've got a very, very large pot.
2: Would it grow? Um, I mean very large pot.
3: Mm-hmm. Would it
2: grow in that? Well, it would. It, it would. And if you look at a lot of the, the advanced tree nurseries, they do very well at growing in large pots for extended period. Course, yeah, I, mm. yeah, and then yeah. if you look at the Bonsai Society, they are expert at growing things in really small pots. It just takes yeah. a little bit of um, extra management. And I'm sure a bit later we, we could talk to Chris about growing in pots and how you manage that. Yeah,
5: because I grew a lilac tree at the last house I was in, in a very large pot, and the nursery said, oh, you'll never do it. Well, the lilac tree went... Man. Uh, hmm. beautiful, absolutely beautiful. All
2: right, listen, thank you so much for your help. You're welcome, Diana. Bye thank for now. You.
0: Cheers for Bye. them. Bye. And we'll be back shortly. Don't forget to donate. If you can this morning, three nine double zero. back shortly.
3: Curtain Radio.
0: You are tuned to Let's Talk Gardening on this special Radiothon morning. And I will give you that number again if you would A, like to support the gardening team today, and Curtain Radio, of course. You can ring right now. There's people in the boardroom waiting for you, There's some of our lovely volunteers, 92663900. And you can donate online, curtainfm.com.au. Keeping in mind any donation over $2 is tax refundable. Okay, or deductible, I should say. We're heading to Yanship. Steve, good morning. Morning, morning Steve. Morning. How are we this morning? We're, We're good. Thank you. Yeah, well,
6: marvellous. I'm on the way to work. Um, question: I've got two avocado plants in uh, hundred litre, and they're like the cloth bags, like a plant pot bag. Yes. When do you stop feeding them or start feeding them again for spring or whatever? When because they're all fully green. They've got nice green leaves and everything on them. Oops. Do you continue to give them food now or do I stop or
2: wait until spring? When when does that happen? Well, depending on what you're feeding them as well will make a difference. But generally, we don't feed a lot in winter because they're not growing. And with the torrential rains that we're expecting uh, tomorrow and in the early part of the week, a lot of the fertiliser is likely to wash away. Oh, so, mine's
6: under a, on a, an internal deck, so it's like you get plenty of light, but they're under shade.
2: Okay. Um. How big are they? Uh, probably, they're not that big. They're only about three feet tall. Right, okay, yes. So the time, if you were going to plant them out, the time to do that would be around October when the weather's warming up. They will not like the cold, so sounds like you've got them in the best place. I would tend to use a slow-release fertiliser, and yep. I would probably only add that a couple of times a year. But yep. are you um, on what time are you starting work today, Steve? I'm on my way there now. Right. Well, Chris Oliver is joining us at eight forty, uh, oh, okay. and and we'll be talking all about fruit trees and what to do and when to do it. Winter really is oh, not the the ideal time to be fertilising a lot of things. Uh, but yeah. we also have a fantastic podcast, so you can you can catch up on the show uh, during the week. I your radio.
6: I can get the radio on at work today, which is unusual. So I can oh. do that today, so I can listen to well. so that's stuff
2: today. Oh, that's I'm the way right to go so then. I
6: can do some stuff. Yeah, I get that today. And is
2: that the same with the grapevines as well? Oh, no. Well, yes. You don't feed grapevines in winter, but. Yeah. Chris is going to He's talk specifically about grapevines, so I don't want to steal his thunder. I will, I will let him. The right time. <laughs> well, it's the, the right time to prune them when they've lost yeah. all their leaves.
6: Yeah, yeah, okay. Yeah, got that.
2: Okay, all right. And
6: do we have to plant the avocados out? Because being in Yancha near the coast, it's very windy, and I believe the avocados don't like it windy. Well, That's why they're in a big, huge pot on the deck, so
2: they're shaded. Well, they will do better growing out in full sun. And, yeah. oh, look, I don't know. It's one of those things that if you've got something in a pot, you have to manage it. So, So potentially you could keep something in a pot and keep it small and give it everything it needs, and it could fruit very well. But they're not a small yeah. tree. You know, they tend to yeah. grow... Six, eight meters, maybe bigger. Yeah, I, I think
3: I think these are classed as
2: dwarf ones. Right. As dwarf, dwarf bit. So they might only grow to four meters, but you can oh, keep great, them yeah. small. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, just prune
6: them down a bit.
2: But for best results, trees that are growing, going to grow big would generally do better in the soil. But yes, yant yeah, chips a bit of a uh, catch twenty two as far as your your sandy limey soil goes. Yeah, yeah.
6: I've got the pH just about right now in the pots, but well, like I said, the problem I've got is it's really, really windy, mm. and I believe they don't like the wind, so they don't. Nowhere we can have to put them outside the
2: wind. Right. Yes. Oh, we we That's have to make lots of pots. compromises with gardening, don't we? You
6: do. Yes. I'll have to move the house around a bit.
2: <laughs> we'll get ideas, a property. <laughs> don't
6: don't tell the wife I've be the next blinking project.
2: Oh no, that'll be our secret. <laughs> All right,
6: thanks
0: a lot. Right. Okay, Steve. have a good
2: day. Cheers. Bye, thanks.
0: Bye. Bye. Okay, let's head to Shoalwater. We're chatting with Suzanne. Good morning.
4: Oh, good morning. Um, I've got some Samantha roses out the front. Been there for quite a few years, but one of, one of them is just starting to get like a white fungus on one of the stems. so it's, like yes. it's almost been painted white. Um, I'm just wondering what it what it could be, or if, should if I cut
2: you, it If you uh, run your thumbnail down it, does anything come away?
4: Oh, I it, haven't tried that.
2: I just um, wonder: is it thick? Is it a bug? We there's two bugs I can think of. One is a, a mealy bug, and the other is a cotton cottony cushion scale. So they're a little bit fluffy, and if you squeeze them. Uh, blood or juice sap will come out. The powdery mildew is often more mottled. It's not really like something's been painted on it.
4: Uh, um, I'm just walking out to have a look at it now. Um, if,
0: so if There's a bit of powdery mildew around at the yes, moment. Yes, but
2: you would tend to see that more on leaves exactly rather than a than stem. A stem. Yeah, is it on the older, like the the base, uh, and is it
4: old wood or is it green wood? Um, well, it looks like it's killing it. Um, it's really quite dark. Yeah, it does look like a bug when I'm when I looking at it properly. Um, the best chance would be to send us
2: photo, Suzanne, or take a sample to your local nursery, but in a plastic bag so that it doesn't spread.
4: Right, yeah. Actually, I'm looking when I'm looking at it, it has almost now almost over all of that particular one rose that seems to be spreading i don't know is it could it be a bug it's not moving no 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 but they
2: often don't cottony cushion scale and um mealy
0: bugs don't but if you run your finger up and down the stem you should be able to rub some of that white away
2: Mm. and if you squeeze it
3: yeah
2: juice will come out right so i i would investigate if anyone else has got the same sort of thing the best thing to do yeah investigate even take a magnifying glass and have a look close up you may be able to determine some features some legs some eyes um if it's if it's a mildew it will look quite different it could be furry looking but of course the bugs can be as well um a photograph, A yeah,
0: photograph. Yes, are you able All to do right. that, Suzanne? Take a photograph yes, with your phone yeah, and send yes. it in.
4: Yeah, certainly. Um, what What is the actual email address that I? Well, I'll put
0: you to? back to Bev, and she'll give it to you now.
4: Okay. All right. Lovely. All
0: right. All right. Appreciate Thank that. You. Thanks, Suzanne. Thank you very much. Cheers. Thank you. Okay, and we'll get a photograph of that. I think that would be the way to go. Well, don't we you? we
2: do our best to answer questions based on descriptions Mm. but if people aren't used to determining you know what is a a disease or what is a pest Mm. then that's a bit hard so Mm. yeah having a look with a magnifying glass seeing if something moves but often a lot of the pests don't actually move they'll stay there in fact the other day Ray I took a photo of a rosebud and it had aphids on it Mm. and it didn't only have aphids there were there were aphids of all different stages and sizes some were very small some had wings uh and they can give birth to live young but there were also the skins as they go through their molts they cast off their exoskeletons so that was there as well and a hoverfly larva so when people look at things on their their roses for example and they determine oh yes i've got aphids they don't always realize that perhaps there's some good guys there so having a magnifying glass and taking a closer look really inspecting
3: mm. what's
2: there is a
0: good idea it is it mm-hmm. is all right back to Radio Theron 9266 we have some lovely volunteers waiting for your call uh, in our boardroom, if you are able to donate and show your support to the Let's Talk gardening team this morning and some great prizes up for grabs, uh, some gorgeous uh, vouchers from Bigger $75 vouchers. We have four and we have two double invitations to join the gardening team for lunch next month. At the Grosvenor Hotel. That would be fun.
2: Oh, we've got some great listeners, Ray. We we've met a few over the years at yeah. the lunches we've had before. Yeah. Salt
0: of the earth. At As the, all gardeners are. Mm-hmm. Oh yes. Mm-hmm.
2: And the the car show, met some yeah. new listeners there and of course at the garden festival, often people will come up and say, I listen to your show and last night at the East Fremantle Footy Club and Noel, who I talked about a couple of weeks ago, got himself the rose that he was after. So I was pleased to hear that. And what
0: was that? What was that rose?
2: Oh, I can't remember now. It was two weeks ago. Uh My mind has been erased from my holidays. Oh, okay. That erases your mind. (laughs) It does. Okay. Some things stay there, but... I'll bring your mind
0: back, okay, do we need to cover any emails?
2: Uh, Well this one's come from Trish in Dinella Mm -hmm. and she has a pot of fresh ginger that she put in last year and usually harvests in winter. She'd like to leave the ginger in a pot over winter so I've moved it to a reasonably sheltered position and the question is do I still need to give it water sparingly over the winter break as the leaves presumably would not have died down? You know, this is one that I play a little bit by ear. Some plants will die down and there's nothing we can do about it. Mm. Uh, they will die down and dry up if we don't give them water. With the cold that we're experiencing now uh in Jandicot, there there's no choice. The plant will die down and go dormant, so mm. I would stop watering it. And in fact, I recently dug up some turmeric mm. and you know you can leave it in the pot and let it die down naturally or or harvest and keep it dry, ready to start watering when it's ready when the weather warms up in spring, and yeah. that's what I would do. The thing is if it's in a pot and it's out in the weather with the rain that we're getting, getting the the plant dies down, it becomes dormant, it's not taking up the moisture, and the level of rain rots the rhizomes. Mm. So, you know, just just be mindful of that.
0: What do you do with your turmeric?
2: Well, I have stored it in the pantry for the time being mm-hmm. and I will replant in spring. I haven't used any yet. Uh, maybe I could bring some in for John. He's pretty good. He's a wizard uh, turning anything into something, into something edible.
0: Yeah. No, I take turmeric tablets. Oh. mm Mm. Oh, well, I'll for, pot some up for I you then, right? I just was wondering as well. And, the and I've had my COVID jab. Have you had yours? No. You are lagging. The entire, the entire gardening team have had their COVID oh, jabs. Okay,
2: I Okay, I will. I'll, I'll put that on my to-do list. Mm-hmm. My feet hardly touched the ground. We got in at midnight.
0: <laughs> I hosted a
2: high tea <laughs> in the afternoon the yeah. next day. <laughs> I went to Caterpillar Club. What's that? It's not a bug club, that's the Insect Study Society. Oh, Caterpillar
0: Club is for for little children. So I took my granddaughters. Okay. All right. I shall let you off. I know it's on <laughs> your I know it's on your list. I know, All it right. is. Now we do yep. have free lines here, nine four eight four one nine two seven if you'd like to speak to Faye this morning and very soon we will be joined in the studio by Chris Oliver, and he is an absolute guru on uh, trees, fruit trees, orchards, edible plants, you name it. Uh, There's not a lot I'd say that Chris doesn't know, and he's just wonderful to sit back and listen to as well. And don't forget, it is a special morning to show your support to the Let's Talk Gardening team, compliments and thanking Curtain Radio for allowing us to do this program every week. Uh, costs a lot of money to run a radio station and we do have our limitations because we are regulated as a community radio station. Hence, we do Radiothon once a year and the dollars do help keep this uh, station, uh, the wheels turning. So that number, if you are able to donate this morning, please do in the gardening program, 92663900. Or you can donate online, curtainfm.com.au. It doesn't cost a lot to keep us here, does it, Ray? No, we come to very cheap (laughs) (laughs) fare.
2: Well, a lot of listeners probably don't know, but the time that we, we give, here is all voluntary indeed Hmm. indeed and it's a love I love it I never get tired of it I love
0: being challenged by the calls from the listeners and it's our passion and it's our hobby and it's our lifestyle isn't it it's our (laughs) obsession yeah that's right (laughs) so we we just come here each week and share our obsession with everyone Mm. and uh, we hope yeah we hope you share it back with us
2: when we drove, when I drove in this morning, I was greeted by the sight of the flowering aloes, which are they just peak mm. in winter, mm-hmm. and the Pyrostegia venusta, the orange trumpet vine, that yes. is just out in yeah. full bloom yeah. at the moment. Yeah. Doesn't matter how cold it is; just makes they, you smile. Oh, they're yeah. winter colours, aren't they? They're bright. In fact, look at us in our and orange colouring, and the
0: aloes yeah. were out. Yeah,
2: the aloes were orange. And yeah. The
0: Jumper yeah, and inside. they totally pop don't they mm. yes okay all right we're going to have a short break when we return we're chatting with heather about Curtain
3: radio.
0: you are with the gardening team this morning this is let's talk gardening and as promised we have been joined in the studio by chris oliver good morning Still adjusting his headphones good. there. Can you, you hear good us? Good morning, yes. <laughs> good morning, listeners Thanks and all. Thanks for tracking in. We appreciate that. We'll get back to you in just a moment, Chris. Straight out to the lines we're in, cooling up. Heather, good morning. Good morning. How are you? We're, we're great. Thank you. Um,
4: I've just got a question. We've transplanted. We lived in Harvey last year. We moved up from Harvey last year and I transplanted a lot of gerberies. And they've been an absolute showpiece. The flowers have been beautiful. But I'm finding the leaves are two toned. Like the veins are very dark green and the edges are turning yellow. And I'm just wondering what I'm missing in the soil or what I need to do to oh, get
3: them back
4: to where they should be.
2: Chris will love to answer this.
7: <laughs> yeah. Um, one of the, um, the main problems when you get that sort of uh, really dark green vein and then the yellow sort of uh, spreading out from that is, of course, lack of iron. And, uh, yeah, and and of course you've got to check your pH of your soil too, to make sure that iron can be absorbed, in, mm-hmm. so you need to get it between 6.5 and 7.5 roughly to get that absorption of iron and okay. ha- how you can do it, you can put iron chelate or iron sulphate to do variation. Okay. Just mix it up in a bit of water and, and spread it around the base of the uh, the drip line and see how it goes. It'll take a couple of months generally this weather. Uh, but that might sort of help.
2: And of, because of course because you're in cooling up heather your soil is a little bit more alkaline so yep.
7: That's a good point yeah. C- yeah. Yeah
2: coastal along the coastal strip. Yep. Yep. The, the soil is more alkaline and yep. so yeah.
7: So you, you'll iron. need to adjust the pH there yeah and provide them with plenty of humus. Um, gerbera's love nice rich organic soil. Mm,
4: yep. mm. Yeah, they, they didn't do a thing in Harvey. You know, I came up here and they've gone absolutely stupid as far as flowering goes.
3: Mm,
4: and, um, but then they just started to sort of, the leaves also take a two toned effect, <laughs> which wasn't, it looks all right, it looks quite stunning, but it's <laughs> really you not know, what it should do. So, yeah. Oh, well, thanks, thanks for your
0: call, Heather. Right. Thank you. Okay, right. Bye. Bye. cheers for them. Okay, back to Chris. What have you been up to these past? Few months well, it's we been very busy. Um, yes,
7: lots of, of um, preparing for next summer's re-tick, repairs. Uh, already, of, uh, yeah, yeah, already, yeah. yeah. Mm. And uh, of course, just a little minor problems and just checking out systems. Mm. But also just looking at uh, starting up the pruning system with roses, yes. particularly. Yes. And uh, fruit trees are beginning. Mm. Uh, first of all, all the deciduous, and then following up with the uh, uh, mainly the prunus type. Um, um, fruits and then uh, finishing up with apples and pears later on mm. in the season on deciduous year. So
0: that'll take you right through winter. Yep. yep all right. And right we have through. we have a question here for you. Cheryl, good morning. Oh, good morning. <laughs> oh, good morning all.
4: Um Chris, I've got a passion fruit vine. It's it's one of the WA ones, is a sunshine special or sunshine yeah, sunshine special, I think it is. Um, it's been fruiting and the plant's extremely healthy but it drops the fruit
7: um, just before it's ripe. Yep. Yeah. uh, Okay. It sounds like it's one of the seedling uh, passion fruit and you're on the right track by um, planting a seedling passion fruit. Because in our climate, uh, the grafted forms of passion fruit just don't last for more than three to five years. Uh, They they do better in uh, subtropical areas but it's best to plant sort of a seedling so that's the first thing you're on the right track there. Um <laughs> this time with the the fruit is it a fairly young plant? Uh yes, it w- it wouldn't be oh it might be almost 12 months old maybe. Yep, yeah. So when they're young passion fruit may take uh, a couple of seasons to start producing and also um they they don't like the uh, the cold weather uh when the uh uh, the flowers start to form because uh, one of the problems is uh, lack of bees, pollination. And uh, there's a couple of my uh, clients that are having problems with lots of beautiful leaves, uh, but the fruits are just not forming because bees are just not there to pollinate.
4: Uh, yeah, we get lovely, healthy, um, like heavy fruit, um, yep. very bitter inside because obviously they're not fully ripe. Yeah. It actually looks almost like someone's gone out there with a pair of scissors and and cut them. We thought at first it must have been birds, but uh, my partner touched one the other day and it came off in his hand um, with the same almost cut on the stem.
7: Yeah, yeah, no, that that will happen in the winter, particularly when there's a lack of what they call growth hormone. It happens yeah. in a, a lot of young citrus trees as well, too. You can actually um, purchase a yeah, what's called a stop drop hormone spray, uh, or a cling cling spray, uh, from most of the garden centres, and uh, mm. try spraying that on uh, as the fruit just begins to form and you'll find that will help a little bit, particularly in the winter.
4: Oh, lovely. Yeah, because it's such a shame because they're
7: beautiful fruit, but
4: just not quite ripe enough.
7: Yeah, yeah.
4: Lovely. Thank you so much. We will try that.
2: Thanks, Cheryl. Cheers for that. Bye. Bye for now. Bye now.
0: And our number for Radiothon is three nine double zero. I was about to say the gardening line number as well, but I, I don't want to confuse people if you'd like to make a donation. You're dying to say something. Well,
2: I just need to say get your uh, donations in early because we're just mm. about at the end of our first hour and yeah. there'll be the first draw of the, the vouchers. The bigotry vouchers mm. and
0: also one double invite to uh, lunch, have lunch yep. with the gardening team. So, which and I'm we sure very the phone room is to.
2: quiet, a bit like our calls. So <laughs> it's it's exactly. your best
0: chance. <laughs> it is your best chance absolutely. <laughs> yeah, get in yeah. early as, as you can and of course the number to give us a call with our expert in the studio with us as well as nine four eight four one nine two seven. You get a bit tongue tied with all the numbers and Mm. all the dot-coms, Chris.
2: And, Chris, we had a call you may have heard earlier, Peter from Henleybrook, about pomegranate, and the problem that he had was a pomegranate that has fruited well over other years, but this year the fruit is smaller and it's splitting.
7: Okay. Uh, Now, with the the smaller fruit, you may have the ornamental uh, pomegranate, uh, which only produces small fruit, uh, but uh, the 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 commercial or the uh, the fruit tree one is produces much bigger fruit um, you know the size of a good apple uh, and even bigger and the uh, the problem with the splitting of the fruit is very fast growth. What happens is if you over fertilize them pomegranates, they tend particularly with a lot of nitrogen, they tend to grow very quickly and they 'll split uh, generally just too too fast to growth. So just watch the amount of fertiliser. Generally, pomegranates don't need a lot of fertilising. Just a good, organic, healthy, nutritious soil is all they need and not too much watering, okay?
2: And what about pruning for pomegranates?
7: Not a lot. One of the things that you've got to watch is that uh, they do produce a lot of suckers at the base, pomegranates, particularly the fruiting types. So just make sure you cut them off at ground level OK, just to clear that for sure. But pruning is just pruning to shape, really, with the uh, the evergreen uh, fruit trees, just just to shape, really. And any dead wood, uh, any sort of crossing over spindly growth in the centre uh, does help as well, too, to open it up a little bit hmm. uh, and let the light in and uh, you get bigger, bigger and better fruit as well.
3: There
2: you go, Peter. I hope you were listening to that.
0: OK, we'll be back in a moment. It's Radiothon morning and it's Let's Talk Gardening and the news will be at 9am coming up very shortly. We're in Waikiki. Moya, good morning. Hi, Moya. Uh, Oh, hi. How are you this morning? Good, thank you. Bit chilly, hey.
4: Oh, I know. (laughs) (laughs) I was just listening to the lady with the passion fruit and the answer obviously was very good. But um, I think we are very keen to get fruit off our plants before they really mature. And the lady said it was less than a year old and I think maybe a little culling of the fruit in the early stages of a tree is beneficial.
7: Right, okay. Yeah, yeah, good good suggestion because um, that'll just lead to sort of a larger fruit and uh, also um, more of a uh, faster ripening to maturity. So it's good. You know, a, good point a, a to lemonade, bring up. Yeah, excellent.
4: I've got a lemonade tree that I air-rooted yep. air, um, before I left Lake Kirsten, and um, I only let one branch have one fruit for about two years before I let it have more. Yeah.
2: There are so many factors, Moira. You know, oh. the... I've grown Sunshine Special and found that it would fruit yeah. within its first year. Yeah. Uh, some people can get fantastic growth. I, the one I planted was up against a chicken pen yep. and wow. it, it covered the side of the chicken pen in yeah. no time flat. Yeah. And yeah. because of where it was, it was capturing all that winter sun. Yeah. It was dropping ripe fruit in yep. winter. Yep. So it's, it's very hard Depends to give. On. A whole um, sure. accurate answer depending on so many factors yeah. but the cold snap that we've had too yep. can affect
3: yep. Yep, uh, sure. a lot
2: of uh, edible and fruiting plants yeah. to the point they will drop yeah. and thank you very much for your program
0: it's really lovely oh thank you moya we love it <laughs> <laughs> bye. okay thank bye you. cheers and yeah, the, the we have the volunteers in the uh, phone rooms right now. We have Chris and Rosie and Helen, uh, and I believe things are a little bit quiet. If you give them a call right now on nine two double six three nine double zero, and uh, support the Let's Talk Gardening program with a donation, uh, if you if you can, that would be fabulous. And as we said, there are some great. Prizes up for grabs uh, in this hour and the following hour as well. All right, let's head to Dianella. Mark, good morning. Hi, oh, Mark. Good morning.
1: good morning. Good morning, gardening team.
0: Morning. Good
1: morning. I have a double grafted peach and nectarine tree. Uh, last year, I had that you know that fungus that gets on the leaves. Sprayed it a couple of times. Got rid of it. picked some. Picked the bad leaves off. Now this year I see no sign of it again. But should I spray it anyway? Is it the right time to spray it?
7: And no, no. Look, I if fertilising it now. My general sort of um, consensus on uh, preventative spraying uh, for fungal diseases is uh, don't generally do it unless you see first signs. Uh, that's the, the time to get to your and do spot sprays rather than the whole plant. And in that way, you'll save costs and you'll try and eliminate the spread of the fungal problem. So if you get that sort of um, uh, um, fungal sort of spot on the leaves and so forth, uh, just wait till it appears and then hit it with a good fungicide, yep.
2: So pruning wise, Chris, so that that tree will be dropping all its leaves about now?
1: Yeah, for sure, yeah. And
2: so when would you-
1: yeah, it's still covered in leaves at the moment. Okay.
7: Yeah. Okay. Yeah, because a lot of the, the trees are just like, and even roses are holding their leaves, aren't they? This time, mm, they sure. are. And new shoots coming. Yeah. So yeah, look, I don't worry about preventative sprays. My advice is just wait till they appear, and then you can do uh, selective, low-cost uh, spot spraying. Okay. When would you prune and- that? Chris, when it's lost all its leaves? Right now, yeah, yeah. Or wait till it defoliates. I always like to uh, uh, make sure the leaves are falling off so you can see where you're pruning. That's the main thing. Yeah, because we've only
1: had it since, I mean, it was quite established, but we only bought it uh, last year.
7: Okay, yeah.
1: So it says it's, you know, it's not very old.
2: And the advice would be keep it to a size that you can net exactly,
1: (laughs) yeah, yeah, yeah. And the point to do about it now or later? uh,
7: No, you can start to prune now. If a young tree like that, uh, there are two types of pruning I'll be talking about later on, uh, and that will be pruning for training. Okay, not pruning for fruit, and so you do two types of pruning slightly differently. The main cuts are the same. But the intention, what you're wanting to do to achieve uh, varies quite considerably because you've got to get your training, your your shape of the the, the plant going forward first before you look at fruit.
0: And Chris, Mark asked about fertilising.
7: Yeah, fertilising is a good time, perhaps a little bit later, but I generally like to fertilise just after pruning. Mm -hmm. So if a tree hasn't lost its leaves, wait till it's lost its leaves prune and then fertilize straight after and use a general all-purpose fertilizer particularly one if you can with the macronutrients that's nitrogen phosphorus and potassium and maybe sulfur and magnesium but also one with trace elements iron manganese zinc cobalt and so forth
1: Uh, what i've got here is i've got some rock dust
7: yeah yeah now the rock dust is used for holding the nutrients Okay, yep. and, and helping to hold and preserve moisture as well, too. But
1: it um, helps to rock form dust.
7: structure. Uh, the fish um, emulsion. Fish emulsion um, is good, yes, fish emulsion. Or uh, one of the other proprietary um, organic uh, liquid fertilizers is good. Go-Go Juice is another good one.
1: Yeah, I've got Go-Go Juice. Yep. Um, the fish emulsion got the kelp.
7: Power feed, yeah, fish emulsion. Power feed's another one. There's a whole stream yeah. of them on the markets out there. Uh, yeah, most of them
1: have come through Green Life.
7: Yeah, yeah.
1: Great. Okay. Well, All right. Thank you very much.
0: Thanks for your call, Matt. Good on you, Matt. Okay. Okay. Bye. Right. Guys, we do have to go to the news, the 9, 9 a.m. news. Uh, Maureen and Susan, uh, we're aware of your call. Stay with us. We'll be with you on the other side. We've jumped up to 9.9 degrees. We're heading for a maximum today of 19. It will be partly cloudy. The minimum overnight will be 9 and the maximum tomorrow is 16. 100% chance of showers. We're expecting 25 to 30 mils. And overnight for Monday, the minimum will drop down to 4. The maximum 14. That's a very nippy day and there will be showers about as well. And John... Our research man gave me our rainfall for June and at the moment we're sitting at 32.2 mils against the average of 120 for June so I'm pretty sure tomorrow and uh, the next few days might uh, make a dent in that as well and just a reminder it is Radiothon morning here at Curtain FM you are listening to Let's Talk Gardening love you to show your support to the Let's Talk Gardening team and to Curtin Radio of course by giving the call now and if you are able to donate on three nine double zero or au, we have some great prizes on offer to Anyone who donates in the gardening show for $75 gift vouchers from the fabulous Bigger Tree Nursery up in Pickering Brook. And there's also up for grabs two invites, two double invites to have lunch with the gardening team next month at the Grosvenor Hotel. Straight back out to the lines, we're in Mandra. Maureen, thanks for your patience. That's okay. That's okay. Um,
4: get my, uh, hello to all of you. morning. My question to Chris is. I've got a a couple of silver birches and I'm just wondering what I can do about um, increasing the leaves. Um, One is probably about 12 years old, the other maybe about 10 or 12, 14 years old and they're quite high, about as high as my roof. But in the last few years, there's no leaves at the top of the trees and um, getting less so. Um, down below, and also I was wondering whether if I trimmed the top, I'd have to really get up there and to do that, but whether that would um, ruin the shape of the trees.
7: Yeah, uh, okay. Yeah. Now, silver birches generally don't do that well in Perth situations, even in our sandy or even in the more loamy, uh, nutritious soils. Uh, the reason being is that they, they prefer a, a much richer sort of uh uh, clay type um, humus type soil as like in Melbourne gardens for example in the Dandenongs they do really well and they need protection in our climate uh, to really yeah. do well and produce a lot of foliage they don't like our harsh winters or our really hot summers our
0: easterlies they don't like okay yeah and they don't okay. like the
7: easterlies mm. the hot easterlies for sure
3: yeah quite defoliate. surrounded
0: by uh, uh, um
4: some olive trees in the garden behind me, and things like that is quite yeah uh, yeah,
3: yeah. But I, was,
4: can I um can i there I've got a circle cut out in the lawn there in, in in lawn, I was just wondering what I could do to keep maybe um keeping that type of saw up um from what's in there at the moment or and whether if I trimmed the top branches which don't get any leaves. Uh, whether that would ruin
7: the shape of it, if they're in a, a sort of a lawn situation, make sure that the the lawn doesn't come right up to the the base of the trunk. No, for sure, I because they, they, they are uh, surface yeah. feeders, and the yeah. lawns will rob yeah. them of nutrients and moisture, particularly. Uh, yeah. So mulching uh, could help quite a deal, just to to keep that moisture supply, because they are heavy moisture requirements for. Uh, Silver birches, that's for sure. Pruning, yeah. um, I wouldn't sort of really recommend it a great deal unless you've you've got a little bit of dying back. Uh, but then when you do prune, make sure you prune to shape, to keep the shape uh, as, as natural as you possibly can. Yeah, okay. yeah.
4: One, one seems to have uh, grown to a nice A shape um, uh, maybe type of shape, and the other one's quite cylindrical um, up tall, so I thought they grew because that's why I bought them because I yeah. saw them in a hospital once up in Perth. It was, they were just nice and light tree.
3: Yeah. You
4: know, so um, so there's nothing I can feed them, and if I can feed them, what would I yes, do and you when can would feed I feed
7: them, it? yeah, for sure. I would uh, uh, also sort of give them a, uh, around the drip line particularly, just make sure you give them a, a good sort of... Uh, um, organic fertiliser preferably one that's got plenty of humus in it uh, and uh, keep that mulch up to the bottom and just make sure the moisture supply uh, is, is is there constantly for them and you need protection, the top, the bigger the, the trees grow you need protection because the top halves generally are more prone to the hot um, dry easterlies particularly Oh okay, there.
4: okay so That's a bit <laughs> Hard to give them protection, now.
7: Yeah, for sure.
4: Yeah. Uh, yeah. Okay then. I, I just I've got a silver repair in the front garden, and that used that has lots of leaves on on the top and everything, but the lower branches you could just snap them off. They're just like dry, dried, um stuff that you just snap off. Uh, I'm just that's underneath uh, the branches, um, which are about oh six, seven foot up off the ground, the lower branches. So I'm just wondering why that happened.
7: With ornamental pears, uh, they do produce a lot of um, foliage. And of course the the lower limbs and tend to sort of be shaded and they will tend to naturally drop off anyway. Uh, oh, so don't nice worry thing. too much about that one. You can sort of um, prune them up a little bit to uh, just to mm-hmm. get underneath them and so forth if they're too close to the ground. No, no,
4: they're they're quite. um, The lowest branches are taller than me, so I can just reach up and just snap them off. There's nothing, you know, to them at all. The branches, yeah. Yeah, mainly just shading,
7: uh, and uh, don't worry if they just drop off because, uh, yeah, and and just keep your moisture and and nutrition up to them. Yeah.
0: Okay. Thank you very much. Thank you. Thanks, Maureen. Cheers for that. Bye. 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 I've got some silver birches, but they're young, but they're going well so far, but I've got a lot of clay in my soil. Yeah,
7: I like the heavier soils. Yeah,
0: yeah. so they're going well. All right, we're in Winthrop. Susan, good morning. Good morning,
4: everybody, and thank you for taking my call. I love kiwi berries, Mm -hmm. and I have tried and tried to grow them, both... um, uh, by buying mm, i wouldn 't say advanced plants, but you know about two foot high and i 've also germinated stacks and stacks everything dies and I thought i 'd done everything right the so- i 've improved the soil it 's nice and acid for them there 's a big trellis and although it faces southwest, it only gets full sun for about an hour in the afternoons, and I have shade cloth up for it, and I water and water and water, (coughs) and bit by bit, they die every time, and I don't know what I'm doing wrong.
7: For a start, uh, do you know kiwi fruit there? You have to have a male and a female plant. Well, these are kiwi
4: berries. And the, uh, the one I've got is self-fertilising, apparently.
7: Yep. You're thinking it's about the vine, fertilized. which produces the the kiwi fruit.
4: No, no. Kiwi berries. Right. They're like kiwi fruit, but they're the size of a grape, and they don't
7: have any fur. They're just smooth-skinned. I'm not sure about the mm. one. fade you. you? Uh, no. No, I don't know a lot about them. No, no. I must admit, I just don't know a lot about the actual CWBs. i tell batteries. you
2: what, Susan, we might have to come back to that. We might have to do some homework on yeah, it and see what sure. we can find out.
4: Okay, that would be great. All right. Unfortunately, I'm just going in to help my son with a working bee. Is it possible <laughs> to tell me next week? Well,
2: we can save that for next week. I can give a report next week. So you can be listening
3: oh, Thank
0: you so much yeah, Okay, no problem <coughs> Okay,
3: Bye. All right.
0: Thanks. Thanks. Bye Thanks, Susan When I was watching Gardening Australia last night uh, uh, They were in uh, Tasmania And Tina was say, saying Even self-fertile trees Do well benefit a fruit tree With another tree yes. Even yep. if they are yes. self-fertile They yes. still yeah. benefit by having a buddy Alright, yeah, let's head sure. to Gosnell's Linda, good morning Oh, good morning,
4: and um, thank you for having me. Um, Chris, I would like to ask about the pecan. I've got one, and I've had it there for about a year or two, yep. and then I realised in the tag it says you need, you should have um, another one.
3: Yes,
7: that's true. Generally, you need uh, uh, another pollinator, uh, another variety to just to help them uh, uh, fertilise or pollinate and then um, produce fruit, produce nuts for sure. Usually they do they, quite they, well. Yep. Yeah. I've got um, they, three or four of them growing at um, Carragulan, and it's a very okay. gravelly soil, and they're doing really well. Uh, they get to a really good height. Uh,
2: <laughs> like, nine meters? like nine metres?
7: Like nine metres, <laughs> ten metres, yeah. So I generally try to keep mine low and sort of encourage lower uh, branches to spread out so you can get to them. Uh, yeah.
4: Well, the one I've got, it says it's really. Um, Okay. Um and it says self pollinators varieties, um, yeah. but then um, it doesn't say that one on the on the label, so I don't know which one. It, it, does it matter which ones?
7: Yeah, with with the self pollinating forms of most of the the fruit, for example, you know I've got self pollinating cherries, and you you do need sort of um, uh, another tree. Uh, another you know, plant them in twos or threes if you've got enough space uh, just to mm. help when cross pollination between the two even though they're, they're self-pollinating it still helps mm. Uh, mm. instead of just having one tree uh, not the same variety or does same it matter vari- same matter. variety yeah exactly the same, same variety same,
2: okay yeah. okay hope you've got right. a big well, backyard linda <laughs> <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> yes yes they tend to yeah. grow
7: very I... tall yeah, yeah for sure. Mine's in the middle of
4: the yard. Oh, I've got half an acre. Oh, That's very good. And uh, yeah. it's in the middle of the yard, so I just put another one in the middle of the yard. <laughs> yeah,
7: yeah. I think you'll find that makes okay. a big difference to pollination. Yep. Okay. okay right. Thanks Thank for you your very call, much, Linda. Cheers for that, <laughs> Thanks,
0: Chris. Thank you. Bye. And uh, one of my clients, much loved client, I should say. I love Lucy Oven Cleaning. Have donated to Radiothon five hundred dollars. Oh, Thank wow, you, you guys. Fantastic. Are amazing! That is terrific. Yeah. I what know see? they are the most wonderful people, uh, and just so lucky to have them as a client. Uh, yeah, and all my clients I love very, very well, much. I, These I guys hope they big...
2: they become winners for uh, the first that, hour. That would be lovely, <laughs>
0: wouldn't it? Okay, because well yes, deserved. We have seventy five dollar gift vouchers from Woohoo. Bigger Trees, and you can get a tree for seventy five dollars. And uh, you'd be very spoilt for options when you go up to Bigger Trees Nursery and have a look at uh, what she has at the moment a fabulous winter display of it camellias she's really got over good. 50 have you been up there
7: yeah yeah that's it's a wonderful nursery really is and yeah and you say the prices are really good they are
0: fair very and that's yeah, yeah very competitive and there's the range is enormous yep. and oh, uh, i do encourage amazing. Uh, people to get up and, and check it out. And, of course, Bigger Trees have donated $300 worth of, of product today uh, to Radiothon. And, of course, you can also go into the drawer to have a lunch with the gardening team yep. as well if you just simply donate between now and 10 a.m. And we encourage you to do so on 9266. <laughs> 926- double zero, and you'll be chatting with Rosie and Chris and Helen. They're waiting for your call and you can donate online too if that's easier, Curtinfm.com.au and don't forget about us all sitting here uh, uh, waiting for your call on 94841927
2: Well the emails have been coming through thick and fast Yes,
0: let's, so let's, let's do some let's knock a couple while off. you have a chance. So yeah. Over to you Chris Okay, there's one from
7: Daniel from Jandicott about uh, pruning his uh, pencil pines Uh, What I would advise here is uh, if you do prune them, uh, you can cut them down to about half the size, but then you need to shape them back to their original shape again. Because um, with the pencil pints particularly, they just look unnatural and ugly when they're just pruned. um, When they bang
0: them, they sort of lop them. I've seen that in the streets and it's just shocking, isn't it? It is.
7: It's just just shocking. It's an example of what you say, lopping.
0: Lopping, yeah. Which is a naughty
7: word in pruning because it's the wrong type of pruning. Mm. So uh, if you do cut them, you've got to be careful where you cut them. Follow pruning principles of coming back to a growing shoot. Uh, So that's the important thing. Just don't cut them anywhere. And then shape them back to the original sort of pointed sort of um, growth again Uh, and if you do that they'll look natural
3: and come Mm, back mm.
2: is there much work involved in that like how much would each one take
7: yeah like trees that i'm looking at at this uh, at the pictures that daniel um, um, put through uh, there's a fair bit of work because they're older trees uh, and the thing you've you've got to get up to the height even to cut these down to half the height you'll you'll need a good step ladder to get up there
2: I know you've got a good step ladder I've got a good one good
7: orchard (laughs) one yeah if you do get a, that's by the by if you do um, get a safe ladder always get a a three legged ladder and it's the proper orchard ladder and you get more balance you can even sort of use them on slightly sloping ground without toppling over because they've got a spreading base as well they cost a little bit more but they're very very much safer Mm. uh, to use yeah
2: Mm. well that That's good. Now, this one from Gay, she sent in a photo of some stone fruit. Uh, Most of the tree is covered with shade cloth to counteract frost. However, the leaves were like this before the cold weather turned up. So what can you tell us about that?
7: Yeah, with this one, uh, Gay, um, it looks like when you get this problem of um, the foliage where you get sort of dead tissue on the, uh, the outside of the leaves and then also at the tip, Okay. and there's no yellowing between the dead tissue and the green tissue, the living tissue, then it's generally what's called a physiological, generally due to atmospheric or soil conditions which would cause that to come about. If you've got the yellow in between the dead tissue and the green tissue, that's generally a good indication of a fungal problem in the leaves itself. Uh, so you've got, it looks like very much to me, a physiological problem mm-hmm. and it's sometimes caused by what we are discussing earlier on about uneven wetting and drying. Uh, the plants sometimes in our weather conditions where you get a hot day and then followed by a cool day and a bit of wet water uh, and they just can't cope with the rapid changes of moisture and drying in and out. Uh, so that's probably what uh, caused it. Mulching will help a great deal to sort of um, uh, prevent that sort of quick, rapid drying out. Uh, a great, a great deal. So that's what I would suggest: mulching, and the trees will bounce back into shape again uh, with this one because it's, it's just a temporary sort of correction of some physiological problem. Mm.
0: All right, that's great. Thank okay. you, Chris. Well said. Okay, if you'd like to have a chat with Faye and Chris this morning, 94841927. Back in a moment.
3: Curtain lady.
0: You are listening to Let's Talk Gardening. Twenty-three minutes after nine, you have approximately forty minutes to get your radiothon donation into the station. Support Let's Talk Gardening, uh, if you can, that would be wonderful. Give us a call on nine two double six three nine double zero, or you can donate online at curtainfm.com.au. And keeping in mind that even a two anything over two dollars is tax deductible, and uh, you're supporting a great radio station. And what else can I say, Faye? Well, we're here every week. We hope we're doing a good job. and Keep, <laughs> keep getting keep us, us up us... at 6 o'clock on a yes. freezing cold Saturday morning. I we know. love it. Well, <laughs> we're here for them, but we're here for us because we, we, we do we, love it. We love it.
2: Now, Chris, we had a call right before you came on about avocados and growing in pots. And the reason for this was the location was yantchip And I know avocados are a, a tall growing tree and ideally they'd like to be in the ground, but there's problems with coastal soil. So these were in a pot, what can you recommend?
7: What I suggest um, with growing any uh, fruit trees in a pot, first of all, um, if you're going to put them in a ceramic pot, generally ceramic pots only have one central drainage hole. Okay, so they need drainage, good, quick drainage, because the roots need oxygen, they need to respire for quick growth so use crock or just broken up sort of um, uh, ceramics to cover that hole first so it prevents the humus going through and, and choking up the base of the pot preferably use a large uh, plastic pot uh, and when you select the pots make sure you select a pot that just doesn't have drainage holes at the base but has drainage holes at the side as well and then you'll get far better um, um, oxygenation right through. Uh, So that's a couple of quick hints on growing that. Make sure you've got a good potting mix that has plenty of humus in it and that doesn't um, drain too quickly. Because if it drains too quickly, you'll need to water it more often. But of course, the the better side of it is that it will grow rapidly. But you must remember to water it a lot more often if it drains very rapidly.
2: How much fruit would you expect to get in a pot? Like do you have to keep it keep the plant trimmed?
7: Yeah, yeah. With avocados particularly their root system grows very rapidly, so you really need to repot it uh quite often every 2 or 3 years really to get the the good nutrition going through. And, and yes, you may have to trim it because if you find a bit of drying out where the water doesn't get to it or you don't get the water down the bottom, this is one of the problems I find with people. When you water pots, particularly large pots, you don't get the moisture right to the base where the, the moisture is really needed and you get this drying out and at the shoot then, of course, gives you uh, little dry, dead patches throughout it which need to be removed. So when you water your pots make sure you give them a good saturation a good drenching to get that moisture right down but, and then you don't have to water as often.
2: So would the ben, uh, the addition of a wetting agent
7: Definitely, help that? Definitely. Yeah, yeah, a wetting agent is useful. Okay. And of course a bit of the uh, the clay type material applied to the soil is a great help as well too. Yeah.
2: And so for something like avocados, would you feed them at all in winter? Definitely.
7: Yeah, definitely. You would? Yeah, I would recommend because it's in a pot, in a pot they're very very uh, good feeders. Hmm. And and keep the nutrient supply up to them. Yeah. Particularly with your organic liquids, uh keep them going even in the winter, um, once every fortnight in the winter I'd recommend. Uh, With good drenching, uh, and that will sort of sustain it and keep it going through, and help with the decomposition as well too. Yep, Mm.
2: very good advice. Thank you. Yes. Now it is that time of the year where the fruit trees are dropping their leaves. They're getting close. Are any of them completely dormant at the moment?
7: yep yep uh, although at the moment with the change of seasons of course you never know you can't sort of always say that winter begins in june and ends in uh, in august sort of thing you know uh, it, it varies and, and, and so you've got to watch what nature is showing you uh, so you can actually uh, know really when to prune Uh, So the best thing to do, as I mentioned before, is make sure that uh, the foliage is gone from deciduous plants. And you can prune evergreens, of course, at this time. But make sure that when you do prune evergreens, of course, that you don't prune them with a lot of new growth coming through. So stay away from the autumn flush uh, and particularly the spring flush growth. uh, Preferably sort of in the winter, late autumn, early winter is a good time when the growth has slowed down and you don't have any soft green growth at the top.
2: So with grapevines, what do we need to know about
7: pruning them? With grapevines, particularly, the first thing you've got to know is whether you're pruning a seeded type grape or a a, a no seeded type grape, a seedless variety. Uh, Because all the seeded grapes are pruned differently to the seedless types and the big difference between the two is that the the seeded types you need to actually once you've got your framework established uh then any new growth that comes off the the framework laterals you prune back to two buds now that includes what's called the auxiliary bud which is the base at the the bud at the base from where it shoots from the new shoot and then one more bud some people to be short sure, prune to two buds But generally, I recommend to one bud if it's a healthy plant. If it's not so healthy, uh, then prune to two buds. And you'll find that's where the fruit is produced on the new growth. But with seedless types, you need to leave what's called canes. Now, these long canes, uh, the fruiting buds, are generally round about the 8th to the 12th bud from the auxiliary bud. So you really need to leave canes, up to 12 buds uh, in length so that you will be assured of getting fruit to set, bunches to set. So when you you leave, you you can thin out some of the canes so as to improve the size of your bunches and the the size of the berries, the fruit. Uh, But the main thing is of course to make sure that you leave the canes uh, up to 12 buds length and that you can actually tie them back to make it easy uh, to the trellis or uh, whatever you the training system you're using for them,
2: it it might sound complicated, but I know one of the varieties we had, we didn't know what it was, so yeah. we employed the two methods, yeah. a combination of pruning but, back to two buds yeah. and leaving some canes. And yeah. we had a bumper crop on that vine. Fantastic. I yeah. still can't tell you what it is. <laughs> but, <laughs> but as, long yeah. as it tastes great. Did very well. And,
0: you know, with all this fabulous information coming out today, thoroughly recommend that you uh, access the podcast after the show. Generally, it's posted uh, early afternoon. John does that for us. And you can access all this information, again, by going to our website, and clicking on programs, which is on the front page of the website, there's a drop-down bar. Click on Let's Talk Gardening and you can browse all of the programs there. And today's program, you can re-listen to fabulous information that Chris is giving today. All right, we're in Byford talking about gerberas. Joy, good morning. Good morning, all. How are you going? Yeah, Great. good, thanks, Thank Joy. Um, how can I get rid of mildew on my, ger- on my
7: gerberas, please? Okay, uh, the best way is to, first of all, any uh, leaves that are really badly affected, take them off, okay? And just yep. get rid of them in your rubbish bin particularly, okay? So uh, the other thing is you can use a uh, a mildew spray, but make sure you actually spray the base of the leaves underneath the leaves as well too. But with fungal okay. diseases, uh, what you've got is uh, when you get the fungal problem, You can't remedy it, Okay, The disease is already on set. So what you're doing is preventative treatment to try and sort of get the new green leaves coming through. And that's why the use of preventative sprays are used.
4: Oh, okay. And how do I get them to flower? I buy them flowering and then that's the last time they flower. What do I have to give them to make them
7: flower. One of the, the easy ways is to wean them off too much moisture and too much fertiliser because the more fertiliser and the more moisture you give, that'll keep on producing vegetative leafy growth. Okay? okay. So just try and wean them off a little bit and you'll find that, and also some good potassium-based fertilisers can really yep. help with flowering and juice flowering. But wean them probably off the water
4: them too much. But
7: when yeah. they're in the summer, when the
4: flowers droop, you think, oh, they haven't got, you know, they're dry. But yeah, obviously yeah. I'm maybe watering them too much.
7: Yeah, well, could, in the summer, of course, they, they transpire a lot because the, the leaves are very soft leaves, as you know, and yeah. they will transpire very rapidly and, and will wilt, particularly, again, with our hot easterlies. Yes, you know, we get them drains. up here. Most plants just can't tolerate... Uh, our hotter Easterlies.
0: I can't tolerate.
7: No, we get them up here big time. Joy, mm-hmm. I
2: have memories of a young man named Mark who used yep. to grow gerberas in pots, yep. and he would use a half-strength auxin applied mm-hmm. every few days, oh, and okay. he he was getting ten blooms
4: yeah. in every pot.
2: Yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh.
0: So Maybe they sort of, need of yeah. go in the pot
4: and get out of the ground.
2: Well, little yeah. enough, and often. Well, that way you can control the watering. Yep. So the yes. mildew problems yeah. are because you, there's too much moisture around. So yeah. if they're they're in a pot, you can make sure that you yeah. hand water without yes. touching
4: the leaves. Yeah. And so the, the funny thing is, it's only it's only two gerberas. All the rest are fine. So yeah.
2: well, sometimes I think that's about varieties. Some only,
4: varieties,
7: yes. colours oh, differ. Could be. Yeah. yeah.
4: I just love them, and I've given up buying them because they don't flower. So, Mm. um, yeah, I'll try. So, can I get Fosterm at the Big Green Place? I haven't seen it, but but the
2: principle was it was a liquid fertilizer for fruiting plants. So I'm pretty sure it had more potassium in it. Yeah,
7: yeah. Oh, okay. All right. One thing with Joe is. Also, you need to know, just quickly, is that yep. um, in the summer, you really need to, every time you water them, fertilise them with a, a light diluted fertiliser, because they grow exceptionally well under hydroponic conditions, yeah. where they every time they get watered, they get fertilised. Mm. So oh, okay. They, they're rapid feeders. Are rapid. they. So thrive would be okay? Yeah, for sure. Yep. But just okay. um, don't do it as often in the winter. No, no. But All right. So Thank you so
0: much for your help. You're welcome. Thanks, Joy. Thank you. Cheers Bye. for that. Bye. Okay. And do you have another subject you'd like to move on to? Well, we, we
2: have received another email and this is from Belle and she's having trouble with a plant. She's had it inside and outside. She realises that it's a climbing plant and she's about to repot it and put in a moss pole. She's had it for years sitting around behind other plants. What is a good mix to put it in and do I have it inside or outside in part shade? I've been told it's not that variety that you were talking about. Um, She's given her daughter a cutting and she's having trouble with the leaves going white, but it is growing okay. Is there anything else I can do? Well, the funny thing about plants when their leaves go white, you can't take a cutting that is white and grow it. No, it it no, doesn't no. have, or it's not able they just to don't photosynthesize. Have that potential
7: to produce roots. No, mm. no, for sure. Yeah. So
2: you've you've got to be a little bit careful. This is a, a beautiful variegated philodendron. Yeah. I'm yeah. not sure which one. It doesn't have the cutouts in the leaves that the Rapidifora has, yeah. uh, that sold for $25,000, <laughs> yeah. um, but it's worth saving. I think you need to put it into uh, a good quality potting mix, maybe sit it higher in the pot, it could be a little bit low in the pot. They won't always like <laughs> being indoors if you've got heating or if the light is low, so these plants like a bright light. and. At the present moment, if you were living in Jandicot, they probably wouldn't like living outside either. Uh, ideally, they would grow in a hothouse. Yes.
7: yeah, That's, mm. you know, yeah, we've indeed. talked
2: a lot this morning about how can I grow this plant here in this situation? Yeah, well, yeah. you kind of think back to where the plant came from and mm. what it actually likes. Yeah, so yeah. what we'd be asking you to do is, Grow it in the conditions yeah. that it it's would like, in, not about yeah. where you want to put it, which yeah. is, it's a compromise, yeah. of it course, really isn't is. it? So if you can understand what the plant likes and realise that you might not have the best place for it. Yeah. Yeah. I recently bought a variegated monstera and it is currently growing in the hot house of a friend. Mm. Yeah. Uh, because I know that that's the situation that it would like and I want the, it the to be happy. The other thing to
7: remember is with fillos and monstera and so forth is that when you uh, repot it, don't just use a straight potting mix uh, because um, we did at, uh, at Murdoch TAFE quite a few years ago, we tested about 30 different varieties of potting mixes and all of them did have too much what's called porosity too much open spaces or pores of the soil. So I always believe in when you're making up a potting mix, add in some fine cow manure, preferably, if you can get it. Uh, pig manure is better, but some fine materials, only about a tenth really of the, that's all you need, but it just needs that to block up the, the large pores uh, and then the, the plant can feed far better and also can drain slower. So you don't have to water it as often, but mm. it makes a big difference just to add those fine humus particles to try and sort of slow down the drainage, which you you, you really need to do in mm. most potting well, mixes. For those types
0: of plants. Yeah. Interesting. Okay, let's head to Mundaring. <coughs> Margaret, good morning. Oh, good morning, everybody. Um, I'd like to ask, please, if I can
4: lop the top off my avocado tree, which is, Self-sown and a five, six metres high. I know it's tall, but um, you can't get to the fruit. Yep. Margaret, you're not going
2: up a ladder to do this, are you?
4: No, no I'm not. going to get... A, I have got a, a very um, careful tree lopper okay. to come and do it.
7: Margaret, yeah, I'm very run. wary when you use the word lop.
2: <laughs> Chris doesn't
0: like because that word. I don't like that up an interesting or, image, doesn't um, it?
7: it? It involves that, uh, uh, people that don't understand the proper pruning techniques to prune naturally. Uh, and a lot of tree so-called loppers, if you see that on the side of a truck, don't use them. Uh, because they don't understand the proper pruning technique principles. Okay. So uh, it's important to, to know, if you're getting someone in to do, that they've had some sort of training on proper pruning techniques and principles.
4: Yeah. I was thinking of basically to reduce its height.
7: Yeah, that's well, it, it needs to be done for sure. The, the main principle is cutting back to a growth area, one of the, the shoots that grows. Don't just lop it in between to leave stubs. Uh, oh, no, 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 that's no, no. Well, mapping, yeah.
4: I would be um, to talk. I can talk to this chap and ask him just to cut back to a certain. I mean, you always cut back to new growth.
7: Yes, for sure, or um, or buds. But
4: I'm not sure. Tree, yeah. I just would like some help as to how much one could cut off a six metre avocado to reduce its height.
7: Yeah, as long as you come back, I've done a couple of those trees uh, over the last couple of years. And uh, we've had to reduce one, for example, it must have been about six metres high, huge tree. And because uh, you need special um, ladders to get up or you know, tree uh, people can bring that in for you and do that job for you. But yeah. you need to cut back to a, a really good uh, branch, which has a lot of foliage on it. Uh, yes. so that you don't sort of leave any sort of stubs and things like that that can rot back, yeah.
2: How low could you bring it back You to can bring it metres? back as low
7: as you possibly can, yeah, to three, two, three metres. Right. Uh, right. But uh, bring it back only in stages. Yeah. Uh, bring it back, um, you know, every year, bring it back uh, about a metre if you like, and then let the tree adjust to that new height. Oh, uh, right, yes, yes. Instead of yes. doing it very quickly.
2: And when is the best time to do that?
7: Again, right about now. Now, yeah, good time now. Again, make sure that there's no new growth coming on, it, no soft growth. Uh, and yeah,
4: the, well, I've got I've got fruit now. Uh,
7: well, make sure, so yeah. Maybe after the fruit. After the fruit, well, you can if the fruit is mature in the top areas, you can actually pick the fruit and then prune back after <laughs> that. Uh, you can do that if you can get up to that height. See,
4: this is a forty.
7: Yeah, that's okay. And it's
4: very difficult to see the fruit because it's the same colour on the leaf. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
7: (laughs) And the size.
4: um, Getting up there. A metre (laughs) every year. That's very interesting because that's what my mum used to do with a lot of her pruning. Yeah. Now, when you're cutting the height down, what about the width? Should you prune some of the width as well?
7: Yes, you can bring in the the size sort of... uh, of the canopy bring in the sides but again use that same principle cut back to a growing point a growing shoot yep
0: lovely thank you so much for your help thanks margaret have a great day cheers for that okay and we will be back in a moment Fifteen minutes left of let's talk gardening this morning, and the room the radio room. room has been going really well. Our telly at the moment, and this will improve between now and, and ten o'clock we hope is now seventy three thousand four hundred and sixty dollars and when we kicked off this morning, it was sixty nine thousand eight hundred and fifty five so we've we've made about three and a half thousand dollars for the that station hosted. no not we um, have our our listeners have and we thank you from the bottom of our hearts for doing so that's fantastic and a special shout out to June Reith of Banksia Grove for your donation thank you so much June uh we appreciate that and i've got lots of other names here to read out but there's still 15 minutes to go and we s- encourage you to uh back Lex Talk Gardening show, show everyone how 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 good the the program uh, actually is? You want and to say something? For well, me?
2: my my apologies. I'm rostered on from seven to eleven in the phone
0: room. Okay, but so you only... really theoretically shouldn't be in here.
2: <laughs> Apparently, uh, I I said I could do a couple of hours after the show, so I'll be in there taking calls. But I know Rosie, Helen, and Chris Bart have been in there taking calls, and from what I can gather, with that. Well, Helen just said they're
0: missing phone calls because the phones are jumping and they are missing calls. So we ask you for your patience. And don't forget you can jump online. Curtainfm.com.au is another easy way to donate. But she said they've not been able to keep up, which is uh, fantastic news uh, for the station and for the gardening show. And Eve Arnold obviously donated from Mosman Park. You're one of our regulars now, Eve, and uh, she's thanking us for the support of her garden. And she's obviously shown that by going to the phone room and making a donation to the station. We thank you for that.
2: Well, I would imagine that most of our dedicated listeners would spend their two hours listening to us and then donate afterwards. For sure, you would think, and that's you know, really most good. people don't plan anything for these two hours on a Saturday morning <laughs> other than maybe I their don't. ironing or you know, their workout to the gym on the TV Pull or out something, gardening, yes, yeah. yes, exactly. Yes, yeah, so got me listening again now. Oh, have I? Oh, picking up listeners wherever we go, <laughs> yeah, fantastic. Yeah.
7: So, Chris, we've got an email
2: that's come in over Lemon Tree, yep,
7: well, it's uh, Washington Naval. That's the one, yeah. Uh, yeah, from Mary and Fosfield. Mary, what uh, obvious is here that you've got a, a rootstock that has taken over from the original grafted uh, Washington navel. And the telltale signs here, of course, are the really thick thorns, sharp thorns, big sharp thorns, and the vigorous growth of the uh, uh, the one trunk over the other. So you've got to remove that uh, one with the, the big thorns, that's the rootstock taking over. And it happens a lot. I see this a lot in, in and around the areas where people don't, uh, can't distinguish between the two. So you need to, uh, to take that off right at the very base to allow the, the Washington navel itself to, uh, to keep growing. Uh, you'll find also a telltale little shrunken, wriggled sort of fruit uh, on the uh, the rootstock, which are not much good for except for making jam, but uh, it's better to keep the the good Washington navel fruit coming on. So get rid of the old rootstock. Yep,
2: and it is actually the bigger trunk.
7: Bigger trunk for sure. Mm. Yep.
2: Oh well, that's It'll that's your job. Now, Chris, we wanted to talk about transplanting. Yep.
7: Uh, we've got a bit of time. Yes, we are, yeah. we've
2: got a minute oh, to God. a break and oh, then we'll have a few <laughs> <Yeah>. more minutes. <laughs> yeah,
7: transplanting. One of the main things about transplanting is that um, we should look at what nature shows us. I'm always a big thing on looking at nature to tell you, for example, uh, how to make a proper cut uh, when a branch falls off, say a eucalypt or something like that, mm. uh, as to where to make your cut so as to get that uh, those growth cells Uh, to cover and to hide the wound again. Because remember, uh, plants, we need to seal their wounds, whereas uh, human wounds or in animals, we need to heal their wounds. So there's a big difference between healing and sealing. But the main thing in transplanting, uh, when uh, it's it's a long process, we can talk about it later on in another session. But basically, uh, the best thing to do is to reduce transplanting shock. Uh, so with the trees and shrubs up to a certain height, if you're too big, then call in a, an expert removalist uh, that's got the machinery to move the root ball and so forth. But up to a certain height, if you feel that it's able to move, try and what we call root condition the roots uh, to reduce transplanting shock. And what you should do is sort of two or three months Prepare in advance, uh, come in about a third of the distance out from the drip line of the tree, of the canopy, and um, dig a hole, or shovel with, spade width, about 30 centimetres deep. Uh, take out that soil all around the whole circumference and then fill it up with the good rich compost. Okay? and then you'll find with after two or three months that the the root pruning that you've done will grow into that composty soil and uh, that will mean that you've got a much better root system that's able to cope with the the new growth of the, the shoot above the soil level. The next thing is, of course, when you're transplanting, don't cut anything back at all except dead wood, thin crossing over shoots and things like that. Okay, so let nature show you where it wants to die back. And that's the important thing. So you need as much foliage as you possibly can to keep the roots going. Okay, and uh, if you just let nature show you that way, then it's most important. All you do have to come back later on and cut off those dead pieces and spindly growth and so forth. Uh, So they're the only things that you really need to remove. Uh, just dead wood and spindly crossing overgrowth. Wait for nature; it's most important. Yep.
2: I think of you when I go around my garden and <laughs> and I look at my donuts. I know that we've um we've got a break to go to. Yep. And we'll be back in a moment.
0: Great. Hey.
3: Curtain
0: You are with in. Let's Talk Gardening, and today's gardening program is sponsored by Safety Bay Settlements, settling and transferring properties across WA since 1977. Well, the phone lines have been quite here, Ray, but emails keep on coming. And
2: uh, Anne has sent in a request wanting to know where she can buy an established poinsettia. Well, John had a look for us and he said there is nothing anywhere. It it doesn't even say out of stock. She's looking Um, for for an established one. So I imagine uh, a tree style. There's some... They're just performing in the neighbourhoods at the moment, but traditionally we will see them sold as uh, table decorations around (laughs) Christmas time and and that's it. That's when they're out in the nurseries. If anyone knows of any established ones, uh,
7: let us know. Yeah, for sure. No, they're very hard to get. uh, That's for sure. Grow it yourself is the only one. If you get a small one, just strike a cutting Mm. and uh, away you go. Yeah, for sure.
2: Now, we've also got a a photo sent in from Kath of lemons, but lots of blackening on them.
7: Yeah, you'll find that uh, also the the blackening on the stems as well too. It's a sooty mole problem, but it's just a superficial problem. It doesn't really affect the fruit or the the stems. And uh, you'll find that uh, it will attract ants. The ants come up and they like the... uh, the extract from the, the sooty mould, uh, and that's the only problem. The ants won't do any damage either, generally, so it's just got to run its course, really. And, but just make sure you keep on producing, uh, feeding up the plant, giving it high nutrients to keep it healthy uh, and keep the moisture supply up in the summer. Yep.
2: Chris, ants cause a fair bit of problem moving around scale and, yeah, and other yeah. diseases and That's of course then point. happening, yeah. uh, causing yeah. the sooty mould. How do you manage ants?
7: Uh, the main thing is uh, what we do is uh, we can actually spread uh, like a, um, a waxy substance, uh, something like glycerine or something around the trunk at the base and that'll stop them crawling up. Uh, something simple as that uh, is, is a good one. Or you can use your ant red or something like mm. that, to, which we don't like to no, use. No, we don't. No, no, generally. But just to preventative sort of from climbing up the the trunk is the quickest um, practical way of doing it. Yeah.
2: And getting onto them when
7: yeah, when they're first seen. Yeah, for sure.
2: Right. Yeah. Well, what I think we've Not covered well. Our our done yes.
0: You're just about done. Okay. Well, we still have a few more minutes to play. Uh, the phones are going crazy out there. Uh, they're not coming through to us, so I'm not quite sure whether... Bev's just absolutely, you know, her hair's sticking <laughs> three three inches up off her, her, her scalp at the moment. Uh, she does a great job out she, there, does she? Really, she really, really does. Yeah.
2: And, uh, yeah. One of the things I was asked last night, and this was from Michael Barbaro, uh, he has some roses and, you know, that controversial thing about, oh, when should I prune? Some people yeah. have already done them. Yeah. Oh. Jim over here, he wants to know about his roses too. <laughs> Michael's are tall, full of leaves. Yeah. When's the best time to prune your roses?
7: Oh, it's a hard one because <laughs> um, at this time of the year when you're expecting, as I said before, the season's varying so much, uh, you've got roses which haven't defoliated and are producing new shoots yes. and another flush.
0: Yes, I've got that.
7: And so you don't want to generally cut the flowers off because... You know, they're, they're lovely to in inside them. in the winter yeah. and enjoy them. So it's a difficult one to, to say, you know, ju- the, the best advice I can give you is just wait till uh, you've defo- defoliated and even if you have shoot growth, don't worry about it. Just prune them back normally and it, they'll reshoot again and bring you the flush all at once because what's happening now is you get individual flowers coming on, fewer flowers, Uh, and you don't get that lovely, rich, prolific flush that you generally get the first flush after pruning. Uh, So don't worry about cutting them back too much, really. Take them inside, use them for for decoration, and then you can actually prune them back, yeah, for sure.
2: Now, we don't have long left, but I do wonder what you have seen about the chilli thrip.
7: Oh, yeah. (laughs) The chili thread, I haven't seen a great deal personally of it Mm. around the place, but um, uh, you can get um, preventative um, um, insecticides to do that. But I'd rather look at more natural ways, such as um, using just a a good um, washing up detergent, Um, just spraying that on at regular intervals, and, and also the oil natural plant oil neem oil and so forth those natural ways but you've got to do it repetitively yeah uh, and it will gradually starve the insects uh, off and they'll fall off um and it's a slow process but to do it repetitively use the um the natural methods preferably uh and neem oil and um and just try your washing up fluid instead of washing putting mm. it down the drain make mm-hmm. it into a spray and spray it on Okay. And uh, you'll find that works.
0: Okay, and we've got um, one one quickie question. We're in Gosnell's Linda, good morning. Hi,
4: Linda. Good morning again. <laughs> I wanted to catch Chris before he disappeared off the scene um, about a Rosella bush, which is a hibiscus, but I, I can't seem to grow it. They keep on dying off.
2: Yes, well they will they because will. <laughs> they well, I'm not sure that they'll come back.
7: Christmas,
2: no. They come back? Um, it just dies. It just yes, dies. They don't like winter. No. They, they just won't they grow just, in
7: winter. They just hate winter. They just hate our cold, cold. And the only thing to do is to give them protection. Um, like with your mangoes, for example, they hate our cold winters. And if you can give them a protection uh, by just putting a um, couple of star pickets around and some um, hessian just to cover it, things like that if it's young. Um, then that's the only thing you can do, give them protection. But
2: it's it's not you, Linda, it's the plant. It's so. the plant, yeah.
7: <laughs> and it's the condition around that's affecting it. Well,
4: I just thought being hibiscus, that it would have been okay here because my hibiscuses are fine.
7: Yeah, no, most hibiscus do well, you know, but the, uh, this one mm. it particularly just doesn't like the cold in our winter.
4: It just dies off from the top and then just gradually just rots. Yeah,
7: yeah, yeah, that will happen,
4: mm. yeah. Okay. Yep. <laughs> Thanks for the call Linda. <laughs> <Not me.
0: laughs> Thank you right. very much Bye. Thanks, Linda. Cheers Bye. for that. Thank you. Bye. Okay, we do need to wrap things up. Chris, uh, we've certainly got our pound of flesh out of you this morning. (laughs) Thanks for coming in and sharing. We really, really appreciate it. And thanking the busy, hardworking team, Bev Glidden and... Bev Glidden, did you hear what I just said? (laughs) Bev Daring and John Glidding. No, they're not married. And thank you guys very, very much. Uh, Yes, I feel like I'm a bit of a motor mouth this morning. We've got some prizes, uh, names to give out. So we actually have... Uh, for a bigger tree voucher, a seventy-five dollar bigger tree voucher, we have Megan Dyson in Padbury, and we have Nora Larson of Rossmoyne and we have Josie Hudson of Dudley Park, and Mary Greenwood of Mullaloo. You all going to receive seventy-five dollar gift voucher from the fabulous Bigger Trees Nursery. Compliments of Kerry Spriggs. Thank you so much, Kerry, uh, for supporting Radiothon this morning. And our two potential Guests, double invitations to join us for lunch next month at the Grosvenor Hotel is Janice Pickett of Bedford and Helen Selkirk of Gin So, and our telly at the moment, we have a telly is $73,925. So we've created or generated about $4,000 in two hours for the Let's Talk Gardening program, thanking, of course, all of our listeners. We appreciate that so, so much. So, uh your support is invaluable to us. Jim Crine, and very patiently standing by. We're a little bit over time. Thanks, everyone. Again, I'm losing my voice now. <laughs> that's how I'll much be I've been. That's how s- much I've been yapping. <laughs> okay, uh, your gardenism for the morning is plant, so your own heart will grow. Thank you from the bottom of our hearts for supporting Radiothon and supporting Let's Talk Gardening, and we will catch you next week. You want to say something for? Oh, just
2: own? I'm off to the phone room after a quick coffee. So if anyone wants to call in, be happy to chat. Uh oh, and okay. take their money.
0: <laughs> <laughs> okay, thanks everybody. Take care. We hope you've enjoyed listening to another edition of Let's Talk Gardening on Curtain Radio. Happy gardening.